Hello, welcome to the South Mims U podcast. We're here outside, I think, this is actually, I might have stumbled into the uh, department of midwifery. I'm, I'm sure I just heard a baby crying through that window. Oh, no, it's gone. That must have been the wind. Well, today I'm visiting the university's English literature department, which is one of the most progressive in the country, and where I'm told there have been some exciting developments in the world of poetry. Here's the entrance, and uh, we're about to meet Dr. Valentine Bragger. Um, oh, I think that's him. Uh, Dr. Bragger? Dr. Bragger? Uh, uh, and he's going to tell us all about it. Uh, Dr. Bragger, hello. Hi, let, let me tell you all about it. Let's go to my space. Oh, your space. Yes, let's go there. Thanks. And here we are in Dr. Bragger's space. It's a, well, there's a lot of um, indigo. Naturally. Right, well, so we're going to talk about something called slam poetry. Well, I guess that's a kind of starting point. Well, forgive me, it's, it's not something I know a lot about. You don't know slam poetry? Where have you been? Well, I did an English A-level, but, I mean, we did Milton oh, and, God. and Andrew Marvel. Oh, and... it gets worse. You might as well have studied a stuffed trout. All that dross is so... I was going to say yesterday, but that's not enough. It's of another space-time continuum. I love the word continuum. It should have its own fan club. I'll start one. I know how to do that. Uh, you're saying I'm a bit out of date then, are you? Just a tad. Do you know Adelphi Orange Rock? Um, no, uh, never heard of her. Uh, it. It's a guy. He's half Ukrainian, half Senegalese, half Russian. A conflicted heritage. Sweet. He came to us across the channel. What, as, as a migrant? On a flimsy raft? No, no, no. He's half Russian, remember. His dad's an oligarch. He borrowed the yacht and came over just before it was impounded due to the um, Ukrainian war. It blocked up Frixton Harbour for days. By the time the border force had sorted it out, he had claimed an asylum. He's got a place in Belsize Park, but that's not the point. Sorry, uh, claimed an asylum. Haven't you got that wrong? No, no, no. His dad owns a chain of asylums. He claimed one of them. Oh, uh, right. Um, how can he be half Russian, Ukrainian and Senegalese? I mean, <laughs> that just doesn't add up. Genetics is a complex thing, but the point is Adelphi is a very good slam poet. The regular at the awful club upstairs in the Grey Goose in Hampstead. They do good Sunday lunches there, by the way. Good vegetarian options. You still haven't really told me what it is. I mean, slam poetry. OK, the way slam poetry works is you get a group of people... Poets? Well, a lot of them will be poets, yes. Well, sorry to interrupt, but how many poets... Are there? What do you mean? Well, like I said, uh, we did English at school and, and we had a poetry book and it had about, I don't know, uh, ten poets in it. I mean, where do you get all these poets from? I mean, are there a lot of them? Poets? Everywhere. They're everywhere. The city, the country, farms, forests, hot air balloons in the depths of the ocean. Well, that's amazing. I mean, I tried to write a poem once and it was really hard. I mean, getting words to rhyme and so on. I mean, Excuse me. What, what are you doing? Just brushing away your cobwebs. I can't believe how outdated you are. I mean, really, this is so last century. Listen. 
anyone can be a poet. The trick is to want to be one. Sort of like Duchamp in art. You don't have to make things rhyme. I can't really believe you said that. So what is poetry then? Oh goodness. That's a bit that's a bit large for one small podcast. A multi-million dollar industry rests on those five words. I myself have written several books on the subject. In a way, slam poetry helps answer that question. It does? Go on. So, at one of these gatherings, the slam poet declaims his or her poetry, and the audience will deliver their verdict on it, as much as poetry can ever be quantified. Then someone else will have a go. Well, it sounds very interesting. Interesting? It's more than interesting. It's vibrant. It's alive. It's life-enhancing. Well, can you give me an example? Okay. I will give you one of Orange Rocks. He does it in Senegalese. This is a translation. I hate the world. I did not ask to be born. Born asked did be. To not I ask. I ask Yoda. This soap dish is meaningless. It has no meaning. Meaning. No. This soap cleans nothing. It is all too dirty. Cacti are dirty. Roads are dirty and lead nowhere. My house has no chimney. I will die in Ikea. What did you think? Well, it's a it's a far cry from Ode to a Nightingale. Um... Indeed. That's like comparing the Saturn V rocket to Stevenson's rocket in Victorian times. You see how poetry has progressed as an art form. Um, well, yes, yes. Well, how did it go down uh, at the event? The slam? We call it a slam. Oh, very, very well. I mean, you know, well. I think he won. Well, what did he win? Are there prizes? Well, that's a bit elitist. I mean, poetry slams are anti-elitist. He may have got a bar of chocolate or something. That's not the point. The point is they loved it. He has quite a following. Do you do poetry slams here in South Mims? Oh, yes, yes, yes. There is a South Mims slam. Second Wednesday in the month in the Hyacinth Bar. And does, uh, what's his name, the winner? Orange Rock. Yes, yes. Uh, does he perform here? No, 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 absolutely no. The university is far too elitist for him. He does solo performances in the uh, Velvet Room in Boodle's Club. That's Belsize Park, if you want to catch him. He has a residency there. You have to pay to get in there. And do you perform yourself? Not yet. I'm working up to it. But we need to push on. As I said, this is background. So, do you think you're now up to speed on slam poetry? I think so. It's fascinating. Oh, it is, isn't it? So now we will move on to BAM poetry. BAM poetry? Oh, so this is the actual subject of the interview then? No, no, no. It's more background, I'm afraid, but you will see it is essential background. For you to understand, I need to get you properly up to speed on that too. So, BAM poetry. BAM poetry, right. Please expand. Yes. Now, BAM poetry is a development, a child if you will, of slam poetry. It's quite a new thing. It's the same, but different. The same but different. With slam poetry, you declaim your poetry to an audience. With bam poetry, you go outside, you can't do it indoors, and you yell your poetry out to the world. 
no audience. No invited audience. So, not unless someone just happens to come by while you're doing it as a kind of witness. But you are not performing to them. You are performing to the world, the fates, God, to the gods, to the wind. Uh, so you're yelling to the storm, like in King Lear. Who? History is not my thing. Well, I think you get it. Yes, of course. Probably that kind of thing. And does it matter where you do it? Well, it's all pretty new and the jury's still out, but different poetry fits different places. You would probably do different poems on Beachy Head than you would in a Tesco's car park, but both places are equally valid BAM venues. So how did it happen, I mean, BAM poetry? I mean, how did it come about? Well, like a lot of things, it originated in America. I am writing a paper about it. The first recorded poet to practice it was Aziza Little Walter of Hickory Corners, USA. Never heard of her. Well, she's not a major league poet, so it's not surprising. She's a member of the Hickory Corners Poetry Group and Debating Team, and she has a slight history of mental instability, but the roots of BAM poetry can be traced to her and to Hickory Corners. OK, so how did it get over here? Well, simply, it was taken up by Sharmadine Papamichael. Sharmadine Papamichael? Surely even you have heard of her. No, I, I think you've missed some of my cobwebs. Sharmadine took over more or less where Laurie Anderson left off. Oh, Laurie Anderson. Now, now I think I have heard of her. She was uh, big in the 80s, um, wasn't she? Oh, please, for goodness sake. She was the mother of modern performance art, where art, drama, literature meld. Sharmadine was responsible for whirlpools, which were a sort of legacy of uh, happenings. Oh, I remember happenings, just. They were a kind of 60s thing, more or less destroyed in popular culture by punk, but revived and transformed by the Turnpike Lane revivalists. Um, who were they? Well, they were an offshoot of the Camden movement of the late 70s, based in a squat in New Southgate. That's a northern suburb of London. There's no need to get bogged down in all this. It's all in my book. One of them. I forget which. The important thing is that they kept the happening concept alive in different forms and Sharmadine came over to North London recently, gave the happening a shot of new life and produced the whirlpool. And BAM poetry came out of that. What is a whirlpool? With respect, I don't really think you are equipped to get your head round a whirlpool yet. But I do think you have a hang on BAM poetry. So look, I'm going to play you a recording of Sharmadine's stuff now. It's very heavily influenced by Orange Rock, and she openly admits that. Sharmadine's favourite foot. You call the place you stand to shout your poetry a foot, you see. So her favourite foot was the top story of a multi-story car park in Tottenham, North London. So here's a recording of me performing there. OK, well, let's play it. I hate the world! I didn't ask to be born. Born asked did be to not I ask. I ask Yoda. This soap dish is meaningless. It has no meaning. Meaning. No. This soap cleans nothing. It's all too dirty. Cacti are dirty. Roads are dirty and lead nowhere. My house has no chimney. I will die in John Lewis. Um, you said it was influenced by Orange Thingy, uh, right? I mean, that sounded exactly like that poem. The last one. The other one. 
No, 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 no. Very different. Very different in pitch and tone. The whole emotional spectrum was very different. The meaning has developed. It has been hollowed out and expanded. And this is encapsulated in the last phrase, not Ikea, John Lewis. Bam poetry is tapping into a need, an important need that has always been there, but we were unaware of. You see? Um, not really. Uh, this, <laughs> this is a bit beyond me. Uh, I had the same problem with Paradise Lost. Never mind. Never mind the finer points. You've got the concept. Now, we can get to the real subject of the interview. Which is? Babies are performing BAM poetry. I'm sorry? Listen to this. Think. It's a baby crying and gurgling. Yes, that's what we all used to think. But our recent work has shown that it's much more than that. It's a distinct language. Babies have an innate language which they use naturally for the first stage of their lives, which is replaced by English, French, or whatever it might be as they grow up. Are you sure about this? Absolutely. And how did you discover it? We noticed that patterns of crying, gurgling, etc., repeated themselves in the way that conventional language does, and it did not take long to work out individual meaning. They've done similar experiments with parrots. But surely, even if that is true, the, the meanings are going to be quite basic. I mean, <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, and so on. I mean, it's hardly a proper language. You would think that, but a lot of it is quite developed. A lot of it is based on what a baby might have heard in its mother's womb. Again, a baby is not going to understand language, even if it can hear it through its mother's uh, body. Probably not. But babies pick up words very quickly when they're born. There is not actual evidence that the process does not start in the womb. Just because they can't speak straight away doesn't mean they can't understand. The sounds are a bit tenuous. It doesn't matter anyway. This is a side issue because speech is not the main influence here. They can certainly hear music in the womb and they are also affected by emotion which they can definitely pick up through the mother's system. If the mother hears sad music they'll pick that up. If she hears dance music they will experience that. If the mother is claustrophobic and gets stuck in a lift they will experience that fear. Also don't forget that being alone in a womb is pretty philosophically existential. They will have that to draw on as well. So you're saying that babies are all budding Jean-Paul Sartre? No, 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 obviously not. I'm simply saying that they have plenty to draw on for their BAM poetry when they're born. And when they are born, the urge to yell their poetry to the world whether the world is listening or not is exactly the same urge as that of the adult BAM poets. You see? Uh, the baby is performing. It cries whether there is anyone listening or not. It's the same thing. Can't you see? I suppose, I suppose it is. I think it's time to hear some. Well, this I have to hear. Okay. Now, this is the BAM poetry of Richard Mollipapoos Bertram. What? His mother's name for him. I've no idea where it came from. Doesn't matter. Listen.
Wonderful. <laughs> um, I hate to be a spoil sport, but that was a baby crying and gurgling. So it was. But using the latest technology, we have translated it to this. All is flat. I understand nothing. I want to go back. But I can't. Will this go on? How can I stop it? I need tit. I need titty. Give me tit. That's amazing. W where on earth did that come from? Here's the clincher. Guess who the mother's favourite singer was? The one she listened to while Molly Papoose was in the womb? Leonard Cohen. That explains a lot. This technology, tell me about that. I really don't understand it. My area is the artistic side. We've done all this in collaboration with the computing department. Something to do with um, AI. Oh, right, well, there's a lot of that about. All I know is it analyses the speech patterns and sound frequencies of the baby's poetry and breaks them up into words, like a normal translation program between languages. They use it on the parrot squawks. It's just that no one has thought to use it on babies before. So how long do the babies keep it up for? I mean, do they all do it? They all seem to do it, but at different levels of intensity and meaning. Some are just rubbish, but some are quite beautiful. And are there any causes that you know of that produce these variations? Well, some babies have clearly been influenced by what their mothers experience. The Leonard Cohen baby, for example. Broadly speaking, the artier the mother, the better form the poetry. But a lot of them catch up fast when they're born. Is this all, all a wind-up? Do you, you really expect me to believe all this? This is all absolutely true. It's groundbreaking stuff. Here's another example. Corinne Cornell Cornwallis-Smith. Is that another baby or is that the mother? Both. Now, see if you can guess the influence. First the baby voice, then the computer rendering of it. I have measured out my life in dummies. They come and go while I dream of Michelangelo. That sculptured Adonis whose poops end, not with a bang, but a whimper. Oh, that's easy. T.S. Eliot. See, you're getting the hang of it. Fascinating. I mean, this is a, a lot to take on board. I mean, how, how long do babies do this for? Not long. As they begin to learn their parents' language, the new knowledge seems to drive the more instinctual urges out and the thought processes seem to change and become more conventional. I suppose it's inevitable, really. The baby wants to fit in with its surroundings and the wild creativity slowly dissolves. We need to record as much as we can while it's still there. What are you going to do with all this? We'll publish several books for a start. It's an entirely new genre, pre-toddler-bam poetry. I think it will be hugely popular. With the mothers, for a start. I think it will be a very stimulating scene. But on a serious artistic note, it should give us a fascinating insight into the basic human existential conundrum and the desire for self-expression. Don't you think? Well, absolutely. Well, Dr Valentine Bragov, thank you very much. Let's end with a specially commissioned BAM poetry composition from the aforementioned Corinne Cornell Cornwallis-Smith. It's called Throwing Food on the Floor. Puree the world and let me wipe it across my face. Mash my dreams 
and I will throw them against the wall. Juice my ambition, and I will spill it on your shoes. Cut my rusk into soldiers, and I will throw them to the bottomless floor. Suck it, baby. Suck it, baby.